0: So I wanted to ask us, green points, family, a question right at the top. I dropped this with a few friends I saw yesterday. But ask yourself the question, why, this morning, why do we exist? So think we, I'm going to think I as well, and you, but ask ourselves a question this morning, and I hope we can get to the end of that question before we worship and respond in song. But why do we exist? So I'm not going to ask for answers, so you can think about it. Um, Why do I exist, but also why do we exist? Why why are we here on a Sunday morning when the weather's amazing outside? When last did you ask the question, what are are we here for, you know? What am I here for? And uh, so the purpose of your life, in other words. So the reality is that when we think of that question, uh, Sometimes it can be a lifelong journey of trying to find your exact destiny, right? I mean, yeah. destiny is spoken about a lot in the church of Jesus. And often it's this big thing, like I, I have to reach my destiny. And it's got to be that perfect thing that God's made me for. You know, maybe it's to, it's a function, it's a specific gifting, it's a specific position. And it almost can be quite like sugar-coated as this perfect destiny, but I think sometimes when that's in our minds, we don't quite get on with the very thing that he's called us to exist for, which is what I want to get into today, so don't think destiny, don't think position, shining lights, the perfect thing, think existence together, and, and, and why he's put us together, people from all over, quite a motley crew, actually, if I'm honest, I mean, look at Liam and Mark, wow. But he's drawn people in from all over the city. Yeah. I realize we're not a city, seapoint congregation anymore. We have hubs all over, uh, dotted around the outskirts of our city. And I've often been asking, like, why? What do you have? What are the reasons for that, Lord? So hopefully you get into that this morning. But we exist firstly to bring glory to God in everything we do, right? But just, yeah. we, we know that, but everything we do, everything we say, our relationships, how we do life parenting our jobs a few people away right now with career work already in january traveling we've got people that carry weighty careers and weighty responsibilities in our congregation but every one of those areas we exist to bring glory to god in everything that we do others celebrating their wedding anniversary today Glenn and Jan this weekend married them two years ago And I said to them two years, I think it's two years, is it one or two? Just is two. He said, your marriage exists for one thing, to bring glory to God. You've got a beautiful little daughter and uh, marriage is an awesome thing. It's from God. But if this does not exist, if this journey of yours does not exist to bring glory to God, then you're going to miss the point of marriage. It's a tool in His hand to bring Him glory. And it's a tool in His hand to mature us. And marriage, as you'll see, those that have just been married will shape you like nothing else. <laughs> 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 Who just got engaged? Agena. Oh, let me see that hand. <laughs> Simone. Simone. And Tim. Tim's back for a second time. The visitor returns for the next week, then we, we, you're okay. We can, start, we can start with you, okay? So, <laughs> Guys love to tease here. I'm sorry. I, But it's really good to have you guys together on this journey. And Tim, having moved down from Pretoria, is also really awesome to have you with us. (laughs) Yeah. So when Jesus is amongst us as a community, that we exist, when we exist to actually make our Lord and Savior enjoy the habitat of our hearts. So we exist together to make... Uh, to make a home for our Lord. So he has a home in our Armand's heart as he's pulled Armand out of the world and saved his boy and has worked amazingly in his life as a man. But together, as each of us bring an expression of our journey, our faith journey, together we work together, we exist together to make this place a place for Jesus to, to lead and to, to be the head and the father of this church this community, and to have His way with us. And He can't have His way with us when certain things get in the way of our walk with Him. So I'm hoping to get to some of those things as well. Things that stop us from seeing Him amongst us and enjoying because Jesus can be in a church and He cannot be in a church, right? We know that. There are Actually, many places of faith that call themselves Church of Jesus Christ and Jesus is not there. Which is a scary thing. Don't wanna be I don't wanna be in that place now or ever, and certainly not when he comes back to take his true church and his bride home to be with them. I want to be in a place where he's he's amongst us and we're loving him. He's loving being in our in our in our midst. Okay, are you with me? Second point. So (laughs) when people come back to their creator Think about the guys who were baptized last year coming back home to their Creator. Uh, it's in those moments that, we, that they find out, ah, this is why I exist. Rededicated my life to him. I've made a commitment. But then you see how anyone being saved 10, 20 plus years, you have moments where you feel you slide from what do I exist for? When you're new and fresh, it's like gun ho. I know I've heard the teachings. I've made this commitment. I'm all in for you, Lord. That's why I got baptized today, dripping with water in front of the church or wherever at the beach. But who finds that it's very easy to slide? You find that it's, it's, it's so easy to slide as time goes on? Let's be honest. I've experienced it over the years. How about you guys? <laughs> and what do you, what do you find like uh, what do you find uh, enable, is behind your sliding most of the time? Just throw out a few, you know, is it, is it Jesus' fault that you slide and you lose the purpose or why am I here, or is it me or you? What is it? My, it's us, isn't it? It's like I wrote some notes this week that I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> Ter- I, I can blame Taryn because she's the closest to me, and you do that in relationships sometimes to our shame. We'll blame the next person, you know, that's closest to us. That's your fault, Ross. You don't no, it's me. It's always me. It's always you. If there's a slide from purpose and from Jesus, it's always it's always us. Uh, So Mark mentioned it in the notices. We were looking at why we as a body, so why we as a community actually exist. So he said, We're part of a church that has a name. We need to have a name so people can know who we are, and people can have a hand on us. The name in itself is not that important. Although there's a prophetic reasoning behind the Joshua generation, a name is just a name. We are, we are his body on the earth, whether we call it something else. But I want to use Josh Gen this morning because that's what we're part of, right? And there's this bigger field called 412 for the new people here. Joshua generation is the name of this church for the visitors. We're one of 40 two congregations now, also internationals, I can't just say South Africa but beyond our borders there are about four or five new congregations being ready to begin now Uh, we're our free state ladies Bloemfontein has happened as you know, Bethlehem's about to happen, I met the couple that are going to lead in Bethlehem, Lundy great young couple, Clarence our man's friend, family friends they're about to start, it's free state now with three congregations This is what you and I are a part of. So we could easily say, well, we exist for Josh Jen, you know, and the success of this church, growing in touch. And it is exciting, but the line that hit me so hard on day one of our camp was, we do not exist for Josh Jen. Josh Jen does not exist for Josh Jen. Josh Jen is not in itself the thing. Josh Jen doesn't really exist for 412. It's another vehicle that is a field of churches throughout the world that we're part of. We were the pioneering church. Andrew Silly was the pioneering leader. To start it, sure. But each of those vehicles and all the churches inside and all the individuals inside us that make the churches, we exist for the glory of God, for His kingdom to advance. We actually exist for the nations of the world. And that hit me so hard because I realized when last was Neil in the nations, okay, you can get so in the face of your responsibility, you and I are here, and we are called, each of us, to, be, to take the responsibility in the Lord that he's given us for this area and for this region, our home groups, the people that he puts in our path. We, every one of us, are going to stand before him one day, give an account for how we did on the journey of making disciples in his name none of us get off scot-free each of us yeah. exists to make disciples of nations we don't get it, we don't that's what that's what he bought us for his blood demanded that from us he loved us into his kingdom his mission is now our mission even the brand new believer who gave their heart to jesus last week the one who was baptized this morning you're now on his mission which is to disciple nations Josh, Jen, 412 are vehicles. His kingdom advances through you and I. And we need each other. This is the purpose of the community and the purpose of church. And why we gather and say in October, don't do anything on those dates. Mark them now. doesn't matter if there's a wedding, move it. That's how we've lived. That's why God is doing what He's doing in our community of faith. Because people have devoted themselves. they committed to the things that matter to Him. The things of the kingdom. So we can get so, uh, I think the danger that we picked up this week is we can get so excited about the vehicle and what God is doing in the, the churches that we can, we can lose sight of the, of the real purpose of those vehicles, which is to go and reach nations and advance his kingdom. So we exist for that purpose. And the the vehicles exist for the nations. It's all about people. At this camp, we had people coming from Holland, I think I mentioned earlier. And um, these men and women and the Americans were in tears the whole week. And the thing that struck me was these people have broken borders. They've come out, dedicated themselves, spent money, spent time, left family to come and drink from the fountain, the well of Jesus Christ himself amongst us. You, We're part of that. Even though right now you're not functioning as elders and you weren't on an eldership camp, means nothing. They've come because they've come to see what we're part of, what we've broken open, what we've done together. Andrew might have spearheaded it, and others have played a different role, but they've come to see what we have experienced in the Lord. And you know what? They are so grateful. They're up crying and, 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 and saying things as, You have to come to the Netherlands. You have to come to Europe. Europe is dying. We don't have this. The Americans are saying our church is sick. Our country is sick. We are an evil nation. America is not this beautiful. It is sick. The grass is not always greener on the other side. I can tell you, I would be fearful. Someone said, you're going to America. Oh, that's... England, young people don't want to go to church in Europe, in the UK you can't get young people like yourselves to come to a place like this or a community group, no one is interested the work out there is massive and the point of it is we don't know how good we've got it we don't know how good we've got it I've got men that could be my father saying to me I've been in ministry as long as I've been alive <laughs> one man has been in ministry as long as my wife's been alive he says you guys don't know what you've got Make use of it. Step in. Take a hold of what Jesus is doing in you. Because we have not seen this. And they're traveling in to taste and drink of what God is doing amongst us. So we exist for those people, for those territories, for those nations, for the churches in those nations to become healthy. But we exist also for the world that those churches have not impacted yet, including our world that we have not impacted yet. That is our mission. So that's the heart that... Um, I wanted to bring to us and then say what will stop us existing for the reasons that we actually exist for. And I wanted to just touch on a few of, I mean, there are many things that will stop us. But over the holidays, I spent a lot of time in 1 Thessalonians. You remember I mentioned it probably earlier this year. It's a beautiful book and a beautiful church. And Paul wrote in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians um, about uh, three points. He said that church is being known all around the region. Without me having to talk about them, a bit like, you know, the Europeans and the Americans just finding us, because they're just hearing about what Jesus is doing, coming to see, Thessalonians was the same, and when the reports came back to Paul, the apostle who had set those churches in motion, he said to the Thessalonians, "Like, well done. The reports of your faith are ringing out through the entire region, and the reports. There were three things." They speak of how you turn from idols, so how the church turned from idols, to serve God, give of their lives, devoted to Him. And the third one, was it now? (laughs) Oh, and to wait eagerly for Jesus' return with their eyes set on eternity. I was like, oh, Lord, may we live like that. May those three things be our very, everything our lives rotates around, that we would turn from idols quickly, that we would serve God and devote ourselves to Him as our number one priority and always have our eyes set on eternity, have an urgency about His return, an urgency that would see us devoted to one another's maturity in Christ, discipleship, a devotion and an expectation of His coming that would take us into the people that are lost, into the communities that are lost, with an urgency to see them saved. When we live like that, we are truly a church that, Paul would have been proud of, like, that Jesus himself is excited about. You guys with me? So, idols, tell me, what do you think when you hear that word? What do you think? Do you think of, like, little sitting Buddhas and weird South American statues of wood, African carved idols and smoky pots and incense, and, I mean, you've all seen that, and, I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I've experienced some homes like that where you walk in and I was like, this is weird. But most of when you think of idols, you think of the Old Testament uh, books, right? And you think of, well, there was a time in history where we don't quite do that anymore. We don't quite uh, see that in our culture in our age that the idols are those things that people bow down to. Maybe there's a little bit of a new age thing in our city, Okay. But I still think even in the new age thing where you could maybe have that in your house, I still think the idol is not that wooden carved statue. It's actually the person. The idol is self, right? Everything is about me my life. So would you agree with me, the idols of today, when we think about our generation, it's things of the heart. Things that get in the way of giving our lives entirely to God. They they exist in our heart. idols of our heart are what keep us from Full devotion to our our Lord and Savior. You can't quite see them. The statue is easy, you just burn it down, you know. Your old your old, you know, the things that you got rid of that you burnt in the fire when you radically came to know Jesus, you know. (laughs) The idols of the music I can't listen to anymore. Or it's easy because you burn that stuff. But how do you burn the things of the heart that creep in, that take you on the slide away from the very reason we exist? Can't see that. Can't quite put your hand on it. But I've got a few keys that I'd love to share with us what I think those could be for us to watch out for. And I really believe that if we present, if we recognize this in us today and we present and bring that to the Lord, that he is going to do something and burn those idols in our heart and cut them away for his glory. Amen. So I had a picture all week of a massive pie chart. Didn't get time to draw it maybe one day we can we can work on it so no not that pie chart oh my word there was a pie chart (laughs) tell you a quick story we got to camp and there was a pie chart you know like those spinning wheels where you spin and then it lands on a bonus or jackpot or zero or go back to start dion and them thought it was really funny to do this when we arrived at camp all our names were on a different pie chart corner and each person who was leading a church or full-time elder suddenly had a new destination attached to their name. <laughs> and Andrew was like, this is not a joke. And I was like, no, this is a joke. This is, this is definitely a joke. This is not a joke, guys. And then it, we, we went up to see where we were going. And I got to plant in Lavender Hill and Ganglands. So definitely getting a Glock here and another little gun down here. And the Spirit... I said, Lord, I, I'm. I said, Lord, I'm all yours. I can go with Jeff Kidwell. He he often ministers into Lavender Hill. I'll just tuck in behind Jeff. He's big enough, strong enough, experienced enough. I'll be all right. And then the Gillespies sent to Edinburgh. Yes. I'm like <laughs> Edinburgh, I suppose. No, Merit's <laughs> And some guys got Plattenberg Bay. I said, Lord, you are not just. Uh, 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 I knew it was a joke, but um, it was good fun. But I think probably pie chart was in my mind when I saw that. But the pie chart I had was one of our typical Cape Town City life. We've lived here. We've seen the giants. And I think the giants that we need to slay in this city are quite particular, not unique as opposed to everywhere else, but we have a certain battle on our hands, a spiritual battle. And we don't often see what's in the heart that we need to take. We need to take the battle to our heart. And so very often that pie chart can look like all the things in my life. There's career. There's the lifestyle of our city. There is study and education. All these things are good things if they're kept in the right perspective, if they're kept uh, in line with Jesus leading our life being the center of our life. Side hustles. When I was in corporate world, you had one job. Now if you don't have a side hustle, you can't survive. Maybe two side hustles. What does that do to your pie chart? It fills it up. Your life is being filled up. There's, a, there's not much time for rest. Life is a hurry. Then we have marriage, we have children, we have family. Also, a good thing from our Lord. But not a good thing if we Allow it to squeeze into the tiniest pie chart corner of that circle. Church and his family is just another wedge. Just another, I've got to find time for this in my pie chart. My life is full, but I'll get to church on a Sunday. Maybe I'll miss home group for two weeks. January is almost over, maybe in February. And all, all we're doing is we're seeing Jesus, thanks Louis, and his church and the very reason we exist as a tiny wedge of a pie chart, as opposed to the very center, the very everything, of which all those things, even the beautiful things that he's given us, must fit in to that priority. Okay, are you following? I hope you can get that picture without a diagram. Bloomfontein, because I spent time with the Freestaters. Such lack guys. Henko and Bianca are up now, at getting ready for their wedding in Pretoria. But one of their best friends, Francois, and I forget his wife's name, I think it's Analiki, is that a, Annaline. It's not Annaline. I think it's Annaliki. Is that right? Okay. Anyway, I, I really tried to get it, but there were a lot of new names. Yeah. Can test me on that. But wonderful young couple. They love Henko and Bianca. They're so amazed that we're now all connected. But they told me about in Bloemfontein there was this car with roof racks and a surfboard on it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Wannabes, you know. But the surfboard was not uh, uh, kept on with... Um, cable ties, or not cable ties, man, hook ties. You know, the stretch, stretch, stretchy, stretchy, stretchy ties, whatever you call them, stretch ropes. You know, it was drilled, you know, bolted into So it's just to look cool. It's probably a statement. And then it hit me again. That message from a 412 conference years ago. I remember it. At N1 City, that's how long ago it was. Joey Callow, Sunningdale. Joey, who works with Dion as an elder Alongside Dion and Sunday, Joey said, yeah, there's this bolt-on Christianity that's getting me really upset in the world. He'd just come back from Indonesia. And the bolt-on was that like a surfboard, when you're not a surfer and you bolt it on, but you're just wanting to look like a surfer, um, you find that there's such a problem in our culture of bolting Christianity and God's church on just like that surfboard. And as a result, it's just a little add-on to the life And that person is not walking in what Jesus has for them, if they're even born again. And we can't afford to be those people because we exist for the nations. We exist for the unreached, the lost. We exist for the churches and the nations who need to find health so that together, I've lost this line that I wanted to share. It'll come back to me. That together... Our role is to bring each and every person that belongs to Jesus, his church, every every single person that we have an influence over, which is our congregation and beyond, We bring to a place that when he returns, he sees us as beautiful. He sees us as his precious children. He takes us home as his perfect and spotless bride. That is why we exist. And you know, he has an inheritance for you and I way beyond our borders, He has a role for each and every one of us, a glorious role to affect and touch men and women, boys and girls, nations all over the planet. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful reminder of this week was that this is God's chosen vehicle, His church, to be led by His Son, Jesus Christ, as the very head of the household, this Holy Spirit given to us to work in our hearts, to see the lost saved to lead us, to show us what to do, when to do it, where to move, how to move. And he's given us his very self to do that. So just to, as we draw to a close, coming back to those very things that would stop us from experiencing the beauty that he has for us, the inheritance, the nations, the the more that he has for us beyond this here. The thing that will stop us is getting stuck in the pie chart And you know what, sometimes we need to take a very long, hard look at our life and our life's priorities and ask ourselves, what do we exist for? How important are those um, pie wedges that I've mentioned? Are they constantly being brought to Jesus, saying, Lord, help me with my priorities? Are you still first? What am I devoted to? What is my practical one? What does my calendar look like for the year? What has the big red rings around it? What are the big rocks that are put in first? What are the weekends secured for? Is it all about career, study, family, side hustle, extra studies, nighttime studies, waking up early so that we can better education, saving money so that we can get the second home? These things can be great tools if they're submitted to the Lord and He's leading you in these things. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to talk on that side. I'm going to talk about the things that will get in the way. And they can become idols of the heart so quickly. We spoke about John a lot on this camp, the old, the apostle who lived longest, the old man who was a grandpa when he wrote his letters 1, 2, and 3 John. And in 1 John, it's that great letter of love, right? If you read it, it's just, that's a love letter. Brothers love one another. Love, love, love. And he says right at the end, excuse me, of that uh, first John letter, right at the end, he drops this line, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. You know that line? It's often I've read it, So it's quite sharp. And as I was looking through, it actually doesn't relate to anything else he wrote in that letter. So it's quite odd. The letter's about love, there was nothing about idols, and right at the end, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Imagine this grandpa, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Look at the last thing he says. And I was backtracking, her, like why would, the only thing I can relate that to is in is in 1 John 2, verse 15 and 17, and I'll read it. John writes, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all of these come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I don't you, but I want to do the will of God. I want to make sure and be assured that I'm going to live forever with as many people that I can influence through this perfect vehicle that he's given us, his church. His church through the nations, reaching people. And man, we've got some giants to kill. For the sake of where we live, these giants are very, very real. But it starts with us, starts with you the communities that we are touching, the new people amongst us, we need to win those battles of our heart so that we can be a true expression of what his church looks like. What what John is calling the church to in this time and relevant for us today is keep yourselves from idols. And I believe that that last line of idols is linking straight back to the lust of the flesh, the pride of the eyes, the things that will take us captive and take our priorities away from Jesus, our priorities away from loving one another, a devoted love that gives up anything and everything to serve one another. And you know what? The thing that that we've given up more and more over the years is it's time, time that we just can't give to other things because we've only got X amount of time. It's fine out. We only have 24 hours in a day with X amount of energy. We have to choose wisely where we give it. Can't get the hours back, you know, it's a clock. (laughs) And we can't get energy back. So energy we need also reserve for, and we can give energy to three jobs and studies and then children, and you've got no energy left, and crash and burn. How many people in our era are just crashing and burning? When last I've seen so many people in their 20s crashing and burning? And I want to be sensitive, but my gosh, never happened when I was in my 20s. You didn't hear of people burning out. It's not that long ago. I'm still quite young. eh? So I mean, guys in the marketplace didn't crash and burn in their 20s or their 30s. Now it's a thing from 19, 20. People can't handle the things of life. Why? There's too many wedges and patch or too many things. Jesus wants to take captive the things of our heart that have become too important this morning because we are it. We are the answer for this region. We are, we are chosen, guys, we are chosen to bring us glory, to reach the lost, to aim for health as his body, a place that he can come and live in and be part of and walk amongst us. Just quickly on idols. You might still be grappling with just what is this idol, what is this giant in my life. Think of Romans 1. It's great passage of scripture. I don't have it with me, and I'm sorry we didn't have scriptures on the board. I wasn't going to use a lot of scriptures, but you can please make note and read over 1 John as a letter. Read over Romans 1 with me but in Romans 1 just to Paul writes that the Lord gave the people that were his people in the church over to things of their heart idols of their heart he, he gave them over your heart is so far from me that go for it I mean what a dangerous place to be that he gives you over and um, it says there that the people of God Stopped worshiping God and worshipped images made of human likeness, and then it goes on, and reptiles and animals, etc., etc. But I was very interested that the first thing Paul wrote was that they gave themselves over. It's about Romans one twenty-one to twenty-five. Romans one twenty-one to about twenty-five. They gave themselves over to images made in human likeness. This is New Testament, this is us. So the wooden statue's gone. But what, I don't think it would be a great stretch to think about us in the mirror, or in front of the mirror, looking at ourselves, human likeness, the idol of human likeness. First thing mentioned in Romans one, is ourselves. And, and I do believe that the greatest idol in our life, right now in our generation, is staring back at me in the mirror, it's me. We are our worst enemies, we heard that again this week. The idol of self. It's the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We need to kill that image, bring it into submission. It's the image of our, our Lord and Savior, Christ who redeemed us, who made us, who knew us in our mother's womb. How dare we substitute him for what's in the mirror? We need to steward our lives well, but man, we can get drawn into a place of outer of worship of our life, of ourselves, And that's what exists in the pie chart when he's not center. And I really felt for us to just respond to that, And just take stock of our hearts and ask, why do we exist today? What do we exist for? Is it for me? Is it for him? And bring that to the Lord.